Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. The Bible says David overcame depression when he encouraged himself in the Lord. To learn what it means and how to apply it in your life, stay tuned. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains how you can find true encouragement in the Lord and provides tools you can use for embracing hope. Here's Dr. Jeremiah to introduce the conclusion of his message, David's Deep Depression. Well, you know, sometimes when you're going through tough things, you look around for anybody you can share your heart with, and there isn't anybody there. That's where David was. All of his allies had been taken from him. His family is gone. He's depressed. He doesn't know what to do. His his, uh, loyal compatriots are against him. They want to kill him. And the Bible says something very important. It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord? Oh, what a truth that is. What a wonderful discipline that is. I've learned how to do that. I thank God for that because there have been times when I've looked around and uh, no man cares for my soul. That's one of the scriptures. Uh, But God cares. And if you learn this discipline, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. That doesn't mean you don't need other people. It just means there are some times when you need to know how to do this yourself. We'll talk about that today. And by the way, this is the last broadcast for the month of June. Thank you all for being so faithful during this month. We've had a great time studying David's life, and we're not done. We're halfway through. Uh, We'll pick it up on Monday uh, in the month of July and keep going until we get all the way through to his very last days. And that means you have another study guide uh, that you can get if you don't have both of them. My counsel is just get both of the study guides, get both of the CD packages, have a small group study on the life of David. You will have really vibrant discussions because he truly is a man for all seasons. And there's not anything anyone in your group has ever experienced that David hasn't had something similar. And he will speak to it and you will fall in love with him as I have. Uh, Your gift uh, to Turning Point is so very vital. We ask for your help without without apology because we can't do this alone. We're not for your faithfulness in helping us. We couldn't pay for airtime or production. But your faithfulness makes it possible for us not only to keep ministering to you, but to widen our reach for more and more people who need to hear the Word of God. This month, when you send your gift, our resource to send you is the Focused Life, Psalms, Proverbs, bound in a beautiful leather and journal that you can uh, take with you everywhere you go. And today's the last day for me to tell you about it. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you get your gift in the mail. And when you send your gift, simply say, send me the focused life. Okay, here's part two of David's Deep Depression. May I suggest to you that there is a way to get peace from your trouble. Some will try to find it in bottles. Others will reach into the pillbox and fill their system with a deadening drug. You say that is not peace? Well, there's a kind of peace that you notice when somebody is under the influence 
We used to say, as I was growing up, they feel no pain. But it is a peace that is deceiving. It is a false sense of security. While they have deadened their system to the stimuli of the outward pressure, the pressure is still there. And when in a day or so or a week or so they awaken from their stupor and their headache is beginning to go away, they will look out at the same world and the same pressures which have gotten worse while they have tried to find this false peace. David went to Philistia and in the process he deceived himself. But secondly, he dishonored his Lord. David, remember, was God's anointed. And I have reviewed this week as I have read this story again that God had carefully and very strategically and very continually reminded David that he was specially anointed to be the next king of Israel. If you go back through the story which we have read, you will discover that first of all, Samuel the prophet took the oil and poured it upon David and personally anointed him and told him in front of everyone ceremonially that he was the next king of Israel. Samuel told him that. Now you need to take the word of God's prophet. Samuel was the one who had anointed Saul before David and his word had come true. But that was not the only time David had heard the promise of God. For Jonathan, his best friend, had also told him that. Jonathan, who had more to lose from David's ascension to the throne than any human being, had said to David, you are going to be the king in my stead, David. And he gave him his robe and in essence said to David, you're the next king. And then last time we met, we learned about Abigail, who is now David's wife. She understood who David was, and when her husband Nabal died, she married David, and she knew in her heart that David was to be the next king. And if you read the 25th chapter again, you will discover that God brought Abigail into David's life to confirm again the promise of God to him that he was to be the next king. And then as if it was an all-conclusive response, God even put it in the heart of Saul, David's enemy. And Saul said to David, Now I know that you are to be the king over Israel. So here is the appointed and anointed king. And by his actions in the 27th chapter, he has said that he does not believe God. Listen to what he says. He does not say in his heart, I know that one day I will be king. He says in his heart, I'm going to die. Saul is going to kill me. And it will be all over. There's not one hint that even one little bit of the promise of God has entered into his thinking. In essence, David has said in his heart, I have come to the conclusion that God has undertaken more than he can carry out. Sure, he has kept me so far, but I realize now this is it. It's over. It's funny to read David's words in the Psalms when he's in his strong moments. I'm surely glad that no one has my writings in the good and the bad days to compare them one with the other. Somehow I feel it's unfair of us to do that to David. But just for a moment, let me remind you of what David believed in his heart. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. David, what happened to those words? And where is that faith? 
He has denied his Lord. He has refused to believe that what God said to him he would do. And he's throwing in the towel now because he no longer believes God is able to protect him. Isn't it easy for us to get there? All of us, and many of us, men and women of great faith, if we allow the circumstances to pressure us, we can begin to look at life as a humanist and not as a Christian. You take God out of the circle of any one of our lives and the picture isn't very bright. And David chose on that one dark day in his experience to look at his circumstances in his life as if there were no God. And he dishonored his Lord. Notice, he also destroyed his testimony. It is often the case when we defect that we take that downward trip. Philistia, the land where David had gone for refuge, was a land full of idol temples and wicked priests. The Philistian people were not God's people. And Philistia was not God's place. Palestine was God's place. Who in the land of Philistia knew David's God? Who in that land could sing the songs of Zion with David's men? What kind of an influence would that place have over David's family and his wives and the children and the wives of the men who served him? In fact, if we could trace the roots of rebellion and sin and death from this very period of time in David's life and in the lives of his men... The Bible says in the 27th chapter that after David had settled in for a brief moment in the city of Gath, where Achish the king lived, he finally came to him and he said in uh, verses 5 and 6, If I have found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? And Achish gave him Ziglag that day. Wherefore, Ziglag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. The Bible says that David and his family and his men and their families moved to the southern tip of Philistia into the city of Ziglag. And I need to pause for a moment and tell you something about that city, for it's an interesting place. The city was in the southern part of the land, and by right it was not belonging to Philistia. By right it belonged to Judah. If you go back in your Bibles into the book of Joshua, you will discover that God gave Ziglag to Joshua to inhabit for his people. It belonged to Judah, and Joshua occupied it in the beginning. And Ziglag was later captured by the Philistines, but they never occupied the city. They let the inhabitants of Ziglag, who were descendants of Simeon, live in the city. And the interesting thing is that these Jews who were descendants of Simeon lived in a city called Ziglag, which was no longer by them owned, but was controlled by the Philistines. And they lived happily in that city under the control of the Philistine government. And David now moves his men to a city called Ziglag under the control and domination of the Philistines. And I couldn't help make this application as I wrote it in my notes. The people who lived in Ziglag were living in territory given to them by God and controlled by the enemy. And there are so many Christians today who are owned by God but controlled by the enemy. David was moving into that danger zone in his life. He was moving in with the compromisers, trying to have one hand in Judah by virtue of the land being owned by God 
and another hand in the Philistine culture, David was in the process of literally destroying his testimony. He deceived himself. He dishonored his God. He destroyed his testimony. And finally, he descended into further sin. Look at the lies and the deceit of David at this point in the story. If we read the story carefully, we discover that David's first problem when he moved to the southern part of Philistia into the city of Ziglag is that he had to provide provisions for all of his men. How is he going to feed these men and their wives and their children? What is he going to do? The only thing he can do is go out and raid other establishments and take what they have. And so that's what he begins to do. And we read about it. And David and his men, verse 8, went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Gezerites and the Amalekites, for those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. Now let me tell you what's going on here, people. The people that are mentioned in these verses were nomad tribes. They were descendants of the enemies of Judah. So when David went out to raid some people who had provisions, he chose to raid the enemies of God, which tells us that in David's heart, he was still on the right side, even though he was living in the wrong place. He could have chosen to go out and raid Israel. In fact, that's what he tried to make Achish believe he was doing. But he went out against the enemies of God, and the Bible says that when he went to these nomad tribes... When he went against them to take their provisions, that not only did he take their provisions, but he annihilated everybody. It was mass murder. He killed the men and the women and the children, and he left no one breathing. And he took even their apparel, and he just raised the little village where they lived, so there was no evidence of any life there before. And we learn as we read later in the chapter why he did it. Because he wanted King Achash to believe that he was going against Israel and he deceived the king. Read on in the text, verse 10. And Achish said unto David, Whither have ye made a road today? In other words, where have you been today, David? And David said, Against the south of Judah, and against the south of Jeremiahites, and against the south of the Kenites. That isn't true. That isn't who David went against. Read up in the other verse and you'll find out who he went against. David lied to Achish. But in order to preserve the lie, in order to cover the deceit, he had to commit murder and kill all the inhabitants so no witness could ever come back and say, David went against these people. And you can tell for sure what Achish thought if you read on. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. And Achish believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Why did he say that? Achish said, This is good what David has done. He's gone out and raided Israel. And now the Israelites will never accept David again, and he will have to attach himself to me, and I will be his ally forever. Notice what has happened to this man. Because he allowed depression to control his life, he has descended into the very depths of sin. He has slain innocent people. He has lied to cover it up. And he is living in the very throes of deceit in a territory that once he abhorred out of his righteous indignation. Well, we, we pause at the end of this chapter and we ask, how could this happen? And where did David go wrong? And we need to do a postmortem on it if we can. David's depression led him to defect. 
I need to say to you again that it wasn't his depression that was the sin. I don't think depression is a sin at all. I think depression comes to everyone. It's not the depression that's the sin. It's what we do with it. That's the difference. His defection caused him to deceive himself, to dishonor God, to destroy his testimony, and to descend into the depths of sin. And I want you to note before you close your Bibles the time reference here in verse 7. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. Listen to me. For 16 months, David walked apart from God. It's as if God were looking at David's life and you take a scalpel and you go right into the middle of the life and you just carve out 16 months and take it right out and say, God was not in this part of David's life. Listen, when we get under the throes of depression and we begin to let it dictate to us how we respond and how we live, it can have devastating effects upon us and not for just a day but for a long period of time. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, where did David go wrong? I think I understand. I think I can tell you where he went wrong. And I want you to look with me back again at the first verse of the 27th chapter. He went wrong in the fact that he said in his heart. He said in his heart. Listen to me carefully. When you are depressed, you ought never to listen to yourself. You are your own worst enemy. Don't ever listen to yourself. Do you remember what you say to yourself when you're down and depressed? Oh, you talk about negative talk. Psychologists and self-help gurus these days talk much about self-talk. How we program our minds by what we say to ourselves. And though I don't buy into all of that, much of which leads us into a thinking that is akin to the New Age movement. There is absolute truth in this statement that how we program our minds has a great deal to do with how we respond. No wonder when Paul wrote to the Philippians about anxiety, he said, after telling them to pray, Think on these things, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good. He gives a whole list of positive things to think about. David's big mistake was he started listening to himself. He programmed himself with the negative things. And listen to his statement. He begins to review how bad things are. And in his own heart, he goes back over his circumstances and he talks to himself. There's only one thing that I can think of that's worse than talking to yourself when you're depressed, and that is talking to another depressed person. The worst thing you can ever do when you are down is to go find somebody else who's down. I thank God for a partner who, though she may have her down times, has carefully avoided ever being down when I'm down. Praise God for that. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. <laughs> you say, Pastor, what's the alternative? Well, there's a very interesting little thing here that I found this week when I was studying this portion of God's Word, and I want to leave you with this because it is the alternative. In my way of thinking, it's the only alternative. Let me tell you the story. Later on, after this has happened, David and his men are out on one of their marauding trips and they leave the city of Ziglag unprotected. And one of the peoples that David had terrorized before, the Amalekites, 
They come and find Ziglag unprotected. And according to the record, they burn down the city, they take everything that's in the city, and they take the women and the children as captives. And when David and his men of raiders ride over the hill toward their city, they look down and see the city in smoke. And when they get there, everything is gone. The wives are gone, the children are gone, the provisions are gone. Nothing is left. And all of a sudden, in that moment, the men who looked to David for protection and leadership turned on him. And they said, David, you got us into this mess. And the Bible says they were going to stone him. His own men. You'll find the record in the 30th chapter, and I just want to, I want to dwell with you on one verse that is there. You talk about cause for depression. You talk about being at a low time. And David, verse 6, it says, was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now watch this. It doesn't say, and David said in his heart, does it? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh, that's the alternative, folks. <laughs> that's the only alternative. When you get to that place of discouragement and depression, when it seems like everything's crowding in on you, when you have an enemy you can't master and expectations you can't meet, you don't have to defect. You can cast yourself upon the Lord. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes that's the only way you're going to get through. You take your Bible and you get off to some quiet place and you begin to read again what God has said. You review the promises that have been confirmed by Samuel and Jonathan and Abigail and Saul and you encourage your heart in God. There is a way to deal with the pressure without letting the pressure deal with you. Why do we avoid it? You say, Pastor Jeremiah, how do I encourage myself in the Lord? I think of three things very quickly. Number one, you focus on promises. You focus on promises. Samuel said, Jonathan said, Abigail said, Saul said, but most of all, God said, David, you're going to be the king. Why don't we listen to the promises of God? Secondly, we focus on prayer. There is no evidence here that David ever lifted his eyes to the Lord. It does not say here he cried unto the Lord. It says he said in his heart. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, you don't know what it's like to be depressed. Sometimes it's so bad you can't pray. I do understand that. And I think maybe I understand now what you do when you can't pray. Hear me carefully. You pray anyway. You force your knees on the ground. You force your mouth open and you say words to God until those words you say to God begin to make sense out of the misery in your heart. Isn't that what the promise of Romans is all about? That we have within us a Holy Spirit who takes the groanings which cannot be uttered and interprets them to our Lord. I have discovered that in the very moment when I feel least like praying, that is the moment when I must pray. You focus on promises and you focus on prayer and then you focus on the possibilities. He is a God who is never overtaken by our circumstances. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is God not able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think? Sure he is. 
no matter how dark the circumstances may seem, no matter how uh, relentless the enemy may come after us, there is a God in heaven. He is powerful and he is able. And through our prayer and because of his promises, there are great possibilities. And we must believe that. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today and throughout the month of June. Uh, don't forget to join us as we continue our study of David beginning on Monday. Before we say our final goodbye on this Friday edition, let me remind you again of our tour to Israel, which is March the 12th through the 22nd, 2024. We are going to visit Jerusalem and Galilee, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River. I will be a part of the baptizing ceremony at the Jordan River. We'll have Michael Sanchez and Ural Vega along with us to provide musical leadership and others who are coming that we are still uh, confirming. So uh, if you haven't already done so, you need to go to our website. Go to davidjeremiah.org slash events. And there you will find all the information you need about our tour to Israel. Uh, we are having a huge registration for this tour, so I hope you'll be among those who join us. Uh, have a good weekend. Be sure to go to church. Tell your pastor you love him and that you're supporting him and that you're studying with him. And be an encouragement to somebody if you can watch us on television. And we'll be right here at this very place on Monday. Hope you'll join us then. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is helping you to grow your faith, please share it with us by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The Focus Life, a month of daily readings from Psalms and Proverbs in a beautiful leather-bound book, yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series The Tender Warrior on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled, up to $100,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. According to one source, the top internet dating sites worldwide receive well over 100 million unique visitors each month. Even if that number isn't exact, let's face it, online dating sites wouldn't stay in business unless lots of people were using them. 
The existence of these sites and the number of people who use them prove something God said in the beginning. It is not good for man to be alone. We need and want relationships, especially the ultimate lifelong intimate relationship between a man and a woman as husband and wife. If that's the desire of your heart, make it a matter of prayer. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's plan for marriage on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.